0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10 o'clock a.m. Central Daylight Time. Y'all, it's Friday the 13th. 2020, and this is episode 1 uh, 216 of Bitcoin, and what do you say after the tough room we had yesterday? Boy, that was a bitch, huh? Yeah, and just when I thought it was all over, I had stepped away from my phone for all of two hours, and what did I see? Yet another drop. Oh my God, it was so awful, and it has effectively... Done the same shit that it always has done before. If you guys are new to Bitcoin, let me go ahead and give you the proper welcome to Bitcoin. Welcome to Bitcoin, motherfucker. If you thought this shit was easy, you are wrong. It is not easy. Okay? It's not like you're just, we're just sitting here on, you know, rainbow farting Lambos all the damn time. Okay? This is not about getting rich quick. Getting rich easy. It's about ushering in a completely new monetary system that seeks to exit from the legacy systems that have, over the years, collected so much horrible ethics that it impinges us on a daily basis. Now, one point five trillion dollars is about to be dropped on the markets, if not already done. I don't even. I, I don't even want to. Calc- I mean. If I were to do a quick calculation if we're twenty one trillion dollars in debt and we just added another one point five trillion, then that would be let's see I take my savings the uh, whatever fiat that I got, and I multiply that sort of by you know, how like I, I need to figure out how much my money got devalued by one point five over twenty one okay, so do the math what you know oh, well, I, I can hear the argument now. Well, no, it, it can't affect the money that you already have. Yes, it can. Yes, yes, it can. <laughs> and, you know, what I'm seeing is, again, I, I talk about the fractal pattern in general all the time, the Fibonacci sequence, the golden, tri- the golden spiral, all of that is the same thing. It's just represented in different ways. Fractals, uh, the Fibonacci lines, if you're a trader, the... If you're an artist, the golden spiral dude, it all comes from the Fibonacci sequence it uh, fundamentally, I believe the Fibonacci sequence has more to do with the nature of the universe than than even I think i think i I don't even give it the proper ah uh, the proper weight to its place and to as just how important of a number this thing is, but yeah, uh, be that as it may um. We're seeing the entire fractal pattern again. Uh, we've been divided into two groups, the HODLers and the weak hands. And there were a lot of weak hands that got sh- uh, shook out yesterday, uh, a lot of them. And there's also a lot of people uh, we'll get, probably get to. I'll say a couple things about it later on maybe. Uh, but there's a lot of people that got uh, just absolutely devastated with this whole DeFi thing. So we'll we'll talk about a little bit about what's going on uh, with the actual MakerDAO right now. We're going to get into this Coindesk article that was written sometime yesterday. Uh, looks like last night, Brady Dale and William Foxley is writing this. DeFi leader MakerDAO weighs emergency shutdown following the ETH price drop. Mm-hmm. A large drop in the price of Ether is testing the feasibility of Ethereum's entire system of lending and borrowing. <coughs> Corona. MakerDAO is the largest and most important application in Ethereum's decentralized finance ecosystem right now. It faces an emergency shutdown with $4 million of its dollar-peg-die stablecoin not backed by an underlying crypto asset, according to a stakeholder call held Thursday. If a shutdown were to occur, the crypto market would be flooded with some 2.4 million ETH, even as the asset's value plummets amid broader market turmoil. A spokesperson for the MakerDAO Foundation told Coindesk, quote, The MakerDAO community and the Maker Foundation have been working hand-in-hand to monitor, assess, and resolve the current situation. The Maker Protocol works by creating loans." When users load ETH, or, God, basic attention tokens, into the system as collateral, Maker then automatically sells that collateral when the market tanks in order to get DAI off the market until the system hits its 150% collateral target. But the price dropped too sharply for MakerDAO's automated auctions to keep up. Mm. Really? So you depended on automation here, guys. Last night at 2200 UTC, ETH was trading at approximately $194 according to Coindesk's Ethereum price index, only to fall as low as $124 at about $1244 UTC today. The total dollar value of crypto locked in DeFi protocols has plummeted over 20% in USD terms overnight from $889 million to $691 million as of this writing. This... Despite the fact that the total ETH in DeFi has actually increased some 200,000 ETH, the most likely driver users with loans on Maker looking to boost their collateralization to head off a liquidation. The MakerDAO Foundation and holders of the Maker Governance Token or MKR governance token are trying to decide what to do right now. Options on the table include lowering the DAI savings rate. Extending the length of time for liquidation auctions and even triggering the emergency shutdown, effectively a system reboot of MakerDAO. Where have we heard this before, right? Okay, well, quote, we are living in a brave new world, Rich Brown, the foundation's head of community said on the call. If we were a centralized system, we would have a dictator and know what to do. Oh, hold on. I thought I was going to puke there, but apparently it was just a Corona cough. In an emergency shutdown, new CDPs are frozen, auctions finalized, and remaining DAI can be redeemed for ETH at a fixed price set at the time of the shutdown. Quote, if MakerDAO experiences an emergency shutdown, DAI becomes redeemable for the Ether backing all of the DAI outstanding, Robert Leshner, founder of DeFi Protocol Compound Finance, told CoinDesk. Quote, it stops behaving like a stablecoin and begins behaving like Ether, price-wise. This will have unintended consequences for the entire ecosystem, some of which have planned for the possibility of this event and others that have not. The MakerDAO community does not have a rule of thumb for a metric that would trigger an emergency shutdown. (laughs) So you you guys have a switch and you don't have a protocol as to when to throw the switch. Jesus, that's like having a couple of dumbasses walking around a missile silo with a couple of fucking launch keys Partying their ass off and they don't know what to do. This is why I Bitcoin. Quote, this certainly seems like a very rare black swan event. Tom, being co-founder and CEO of trading platform BZX, told Coindesk, I don't recall the last time things fell this hard and fast and caused this much congestion. The maker community is in the middle of a hot debate right now. <coughs> Corona. As one community member who serves as a forum admin put it, quote, Ideally, we'd already have emergency response procedures in place. We didn't. So we are figuring out what to do. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I always want to cry, man. I, seriously. I mean, I don't know what else to do, but... Sell, sell, sell. Dad. Uh, the system's first automated move is to keep putting new MKR into the market under the protocol. can buy back $4 die. This will work so long as MKR's value holds up enough in that time. The price is currently down 46%. The community is also considering adjusting the two settings mentioned above, auction time and zero die bids. There are also more complex moves that the community could make so that it takes both less capital and less technical skill to serve as a keeper. <laughs> That'll help. More people in the market should make it more likely for die or ETH to sell at a fair price in a liquidation, but of course the problem remains. Liquidation is profitable when liquidators get a discount on an asset that's somewhat stable. At this time, the mood inside the maker form is moving against the emergency shutdown because doing so would impose a cost on die hodlers or die holders. I won't call them hodlers. Die holders would pay the cost because at the end of the shutdown, the leftover ETH would be worth less in total than the die in US dollar terms. As Ryan Berkmans, a DeFi entrepreneur who is normally found in prediction markets, put it in summary uh, of today's emergency call, quote, the societal contract of MakerDAO and the MKR tokens take a haircut in the event of system failure, end quote. Issuing new MKR accomplishes this because it dilutes all the MKR holders, including large ones such as crypto investment funds, Dragonfly, Paradigm, and Andreessen Horowitz, among others. (coughs) Berkman closed his summary with a personal perspective, writing, quote, Keepers and MKR buyers should prepare for sustained high gas prices and downward pressure on ETH and MKR. The Dow Jones hit sell-off circuit breakers three times in the past week and a half. It's a historic week. Yes, because it's all the legacy market's fault that your system is literally a bunch of toys strewn about a child's floor. Jeez." Guys, you know, and you wonder, you not only do you wonder why we Bitcoin, you also wonder why crypto's getting a bad rap because you guys keep screwing this up. This' is why I like Bitcoin, man, it's slow, it's stupid, it's stable, It always works. Every time you guys build new doors or build systems and then just keep hanging doors off of it, the more entrances you allow for people to game your system. I don't know how else to put it, but there is a silver lining. Well, maybe a golden lining for somebody. Bitcoin miner finds forgotten fortune worth millions. Tim Copeland, writing for Decrypt.co sometime this morning, says someone who missed, mined Bitcoin back in 2010 has found his stash, and it was worth $8 million. But did he sell in time? Yeah, sell that shit, huh? A Bitcoin miner has discovered an old Bitcoin wallet containing a small fortune worth $8 million. According to a post on Bitcoin Forum, Bitcoin Talk, a self-proclaimed Bitcoin newbie mined some Bitcoin using a personal computer back when it was possible to do so before massive mining rigs took over. It appears they stumbled across the coin only recently and took to Bitcoin Talk to find out what to do with the massive stash. We have a tweet here. From Red XBT, that is at Red XBT, says 2010 wallet moving coins. And then he's got basically the uh, blockchain.com uh, information up in this uh, screen capture up in this tweet. Quote, I mined some Bitcoin for a little bit a long time ago, back when it was still possible to mine with a GPU. I haven't been active here for a long time, they wrote on March the 10th, adding, How do I move my BTC to sell? Several members of Bitcoin Talk gave him some guidance. While the miner didn't specify, later that day a transaction was made, moving 1,000 Bitcoin worth 7.95 million dollars US at the time. And then we've got a another like graph here. These coins were originally mined on August the 24th, 2010, suggesting they belong to this poster. It's rare to see coins that have been stagnant for so long suddenly move, but the stash was likely even bigger since the Bitcoin blockchain has been forked a number of times since 2010. The wallet also contained 1,000 Bcash, 1,000 BSV, and so on and so forth. Just these two coins, when combined, add an extra $475,000. Quote, thank you for all these suggestions. It was overall a great return and the best welcome one can get, he posted two days later. <laughs> the miner had pretty good timing. If they did sell the coins on the day, they would have made around $8 million, but... If they had waited until earlier today, it would have been worth just half. Welcome to Bitcoin. So there's at least somebody got some good news, right? Okay. Uh, did somebody turn off the Bitcoin cash transaction generator? Emilio Janis writing sometime today for Bitcoinist.com. And before I begin, yesterday's show uh, and the day before, I had com- commented on the fact that Dogecoin transactions on a 24-hour period had been uh, pretty much wiping the floor with Bcash. And I was asking the question myself, what the hell happened to all these transactions? Because it went down to like 17,000. And then I think Thursday it was like, or not Thursday, uh, Wednesday it was 15,000 or something like that. Anyway, maybe Amelia will shed some light on the subject with everybody busy bulk buying toilet paper and bemoaning the decreasing value of their stash. Nobody seems to have noticed the crash in Bitcoin cash transaction numbers. Until this morning, that is, when Jameson Lop pointed it out in a tweet. (coughs) Well, if you've been listening to my podcast, you would have figured this shit out. You don't need Jameson for this. Ha! Scooped you, bro. Joking that the Bitcoin transaction or Bcash transaction having came early and somebody turned off their transaction generator, Lopp highlighted the extreme drop-off in transactions since March the 8th prior to this date the number of daily bcash transactions was generally in the 40 to 50k range or thereabouts however since then not a single day has seen more than 20,000 transactions dogecoin there have been individual low days in the past the most recent being january the 1st this year which might be expected the day after new year's eve however this is the first time such a dip dip has lasted for more than a day increasingly or interestingly The two low days before January the 1st also fell on the 1st of the month. Both December the 1st and October the 1st saw under 20,000 transactions, although November the 1st was a fairly typical day with a healthy forty-two point seven thousand transactions worth of shit. Now that's me. It's not Emilio. It is possible that the drop-off is related to the drop in markets and panic over coronavirus, although Bitcoin and Ether have not suffered the same fate. Over the same period, the number of Bitcoin transactions has remained steady within volatility realms in a range between 300,000 and 350,000 uh, transactions per day. If anything, the number of daily ETH transactions has gone up since March the 7th, when the network saw 630,000 transactions to 760 transactions yesterday. As Bitcoin is reported at the height of the network congestion yesterday, transactions on the Ethereum network were taking up to 44 minutes to be processed. Bcash has had a rather tumultuous start to the year, while the community was split over plans to implement a tax on miners in order to support developers and ensure the health of the network. The network itself stopped producing blocks for five and a half hours in January. Things were going a little more promisingly for price, which gained 150% from the start of the year to hit almost 500 in mid-Feb. However, the last latest markets crash across the entire cryptocurrency and non-crypto sector has wiped out all gains this year, with price currently languishing at under $170. Poor big guys, poor guys. I feel really bad for y'all. CoinDesk takes Consensus 2020 virtual. Let's do that one again. <coughs> right about it. Uh, this is written sometime today from CoinDesk, Kevin Worth and Michael J Casey contributing to the work. With the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, you notice how if you were uh, if you look at the word pandemic, P A N D E M I C. If you put D E M in parentheses, you get panic. Get it? Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. It's a hard day for me. With the COVID-19 pandemic worsening throughout the world, Coindesk is taking immediate action on Consensus 2020. As the organizers of Consensus and Blockchain Week NYC, our goal has always been to bring the community together to educate, grow, and create meaningful connections in a safe location. It is no longer possible to do that in a physical location nonetheless. We are seizing an opportunity to make the most of this otherwise extremely difficult situation. Consensus 2020 will now be a completely virtual experience where attendees from all over the world can participate online at no charge. We understand that for many people, the New York Gathering is the big event they look forward to attending, but we are excited about the opportunity to bring far more people into the fold. We are working with best-in-class platform providers to support this effort and are committed to bringing the entire crypto community together with the high-quality content you have come to expect from Coindesk. With premier speakers discussing the most important topics of our time, all coordinated by Coindesk experience, journalists and moderators, in a rolling live TV-like experience, we are confident. A Virtual Consensus 2020 will be an enriching experience for our audience, and everyone can enjoy it from the safety of their homes. God, the corpse speak is just. Uh, if you've already purchased a ticket to Shit Show 2020, we will be issuing full refunds. You should expect to receive your refund within 60 days. <coughs> we are disappointed we can't host you in New York City this year, but rest assured, Consensus will be back next year better than ever. And we're looking forward to bringing you the complete in person Consensus experience of 2021. The planning planning doesn't stop there, however. CoinDesk continues to build and grow during these challenging times to fulfill our mandate to tell the story of the digital disruption of the global financial system. That story has never been more urgent, as this destructive virus will leave decision makers throughout the world economy asking what comes next. Yeah, that's if it doesn't frickin' kill them. We'll, We'll be probing that many other vital questions across our multimedia, editorial, research, and data offerings as CoinDesk continues to invest to become the media platform for the next generation of investing. Thank you for your support. Stay safe. Yada, 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 yackety, schmackety. So, yeah, they've tucked their tail in between their legs and are running home to mama's virtual reality set that is lying in the basement somewhere. What do I expect from this? Trolls out the ass. That's what I expect from this shit. I mean, I can't even imagine the account, the accounting that's going to go, that's going to be involved in trying to figure out how much money just evaporated on this entire thing. And it's, uh, I'm going to give them a break. Uh, you know, cons- I don't like Consensus because it's a, it is a shitcoin show. It's an ETH fest, and I last thing that I would ever want to do is to go to Consensus just because I don't really want to see badger dances and furries walking around farting rainbows because that seems to be, to me, what I'm getting out of consensus every time they have one of these little shit shows. In either event, if you are planning on going to this thing, go ahead and buy yourself an Oculus because apparently that's what you'll be able to do with your refund. From what I understand, this thing was pretty is pretty expensive. But whatever. Coinbase launches Bitcoin batching amid market sell-off. So another crappy company that hates Bitcoin has decided to actually implement something at probably the wrong time. But at least they did it. Coinbase has at last rolled out Bitcoin batching, enabling fewer fees and less congestion on the the Bitcoin network just as the market reached its yearly low. Frank Cardona is writing this for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. The price of Bitcoin plunged again this morning. As coronavirus fears spread across the United States, total market cap for all cryptocurrencies has been slashed by more than a quarter and continues to tumble. But that didn't stop US Crypto Exchange Coinbase from announcing a new feature on its platform, the long-awaited Bitcoin transaction batching. The company said the feature will lower network fees for users and free up space on the Bitcoin blockchain. This quote or sorry, quote, this enables the network to increase transaction throughput and helps to increase scalability. The company said in a blog, how long is this? Hold on. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Because if you don't remember, and you should, but if if you don't remember because you never heard of it, heard of this before, then buckle up. Coinbase and Brian Armstrong, the company's founder and and CEO, nominally bashes Bitcoin for its congestion it's high fees and all the other FUD problems that that you've been hearing about since your entrance into this space and a lot of it is because none these companies that do the bashing are the last people to actually implement the shit that clears all of this up and yet while they are not implementing they are still bashing bitcoin it's unethical it's malfeasance because it's i believe that it's directed i think it's on purpose I think they do it day in and day out because they need to pump the bags of other shit that they are hoping to unload on you, the unwitting retail investor. So stop it. Don't give Brian any quarter. He doesn't deserve any apologies. He deserves no applause for this. This shit should have been done the day it was available to be done and not a year and a half frickin' later or however long it's been. This is... This is insane that any amount of per any reasonable person that's been in this space long enough should know at this point that this is sort of an embarrassing thing for Coinbase but you know what they'll just shrug it off like it never even happened and everybody will forget why Coinbase is a shitty company when it comes to Bitcoin. I won't even call them a Bitcoin company even though that Bitcoin is what made their fortune, but whatever. Continuing, in the blog post, Coinbase referenced how transaction fees at one point were around 30 bucks, probably a nod to when fees were high in 2017. Nonetheless, it also acknowledged in the same post that similar fees are today around $0.30. Cents. So is it all too little too late? Some Bitcoiners thought so and expressed their criticism of Coinbase for waiting so long to launch the feature. Oh, and one of my favorite people at BTC Sessions has a tweet. Let's read it. OMFG, imagine being proud of rolling out transaction batching 2.5 years after the fee crunch. (laughs) Ben the Carmen replies after having... At River Financial and at Cash App eat their lunch. They now need to cut costs. That's right. That's right. Okay. So, oh, and uh, let's see. Uh, replying to the Coinbase tweet announcing this blog post, uh, Crypto Hodl B says, "Did you forget to automatically publish this in 2016? It's 2020 now. You know, just saying that last year and the year before that. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong said that batching." was soon coming to the service after users had complained about fees. Meanwhile, competitors such as San Francisco-based exchange Kraken and the wallet providers like Samurai launched batching features years ago. Yeah, like they should have because they're they're actually good Bitcoin companies. Not everyone, though, is a fan of batching transactions, especially those concerned with the potential downsides with regard to privacy. Despite the announcement, some people have pointed out there might be some privacy downsides to batching transactions. In a blog post in 2017, Bitcoin.org contributor David A. Harding noted that batch transactions on Kraken allow others on Blockchain Explorers to see the addresses of everyone who was paid out as part of a batch. Quote, you don't know who those recipients are, but you do know they received bitcoins from Kraken the same as you. End quote, Harding wrote. Well, he's not wrong. I like I like Mr. Harding. He's uh nominally a pretty pretty good joe. And he's not lying. It does have privacy downsides. Why is it that I don't care? Oh, that's right. Because I don't trade this. I I I don't. I don't I mean it's not that I don't like Kraken. They've done some things in the, in the in the the near past that I'm not exactly happy about, but when I did have, you know, was using Kraken because, yes, I admit it, I was into a little bit of shit coinery, but guys, really, it only took me about six months to figure it out, okay that that it really all all boiled down to Bitcoin and everything else was just riding coattails. But I did have Kraken, and you know, so for those transactions at the time, because it was way before batching, <clears throat> I'm not worried, and it's been lost. God, it's been lost in the blockchain so far back. And I haven't done any any trading like that. So that's why I don't worry. And I, you know, this show, I've always tried to make sure that you guys know that if you trade, you better be good. I mean, you better be damn good at this shit. Because if you are not, you will be poor. If you're a newbie and thinking you're just going to sit around in your underwear eating Hot Pockets, making Lambos, because you know how to operate a Kraken interface. I got bridges, a whole inventory of bridges. If you are in the market for a bridge, please come see me, man. I'm about to set up BTC pay server, so give me your Bitcoin, I'll give you a bridge. That's all there is for round one of the snooze you can use. All right, let's see what the markets are doing today. I was kind of thinking this would be a Black Friday moment, uh, but it appears at least in the short term that uh, fears have been allayed. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to hold, but whatever. So in the legacy markets, we've got the s and p up one point one eight percent. Nasdaq up one point one six percent. The Dow Jones is up one percent. The FTSE is up two point six percent. The Nikkei is still is down six percent. Blah blah blah. Uh, so there you go. Look, and the the Dow was actually up by six hundred points. So it's losing ground. Uh, I don't expect a recovery today. Uh, it's Friday the thirteenth, and it started the it started the week with a Black Monday, and then we had a Black Wednesday and a Black Thursday, and I mean it just the whole week's been black. I'm not looking for an exit on this uh, horrible situation <laughs> this week. I think it's going to take a weekend for people to get their minds wrapped back around them. Ah, it, it, it is what it is. But uh, oh, oh, damn it! I just I hit a button that I didn't mean to expect or hit. Although while I'm I'm looking at the chart of the uh, Dow Jones Industrial, and it started out looks like we started out at. We opened at twenty two one sixty, and we are now at what are we at? Uh, we are. It looks like we're at twenty one four hundred and thirty, somewhere around there. So a lot of the gains from the futures upon open have been eroded, and it. I don't know, man. It doesn't look good. It it just doesn't. But I mean, it is what it is. What do you think is going to happen when you have the Fed decide that? Wow, after 50 basis point cut, we're going that didn't work. So and then markets start tanking because the Saudis and the Russians start talking to each other, and oil freaks out, and apparently po- Bitcoin was not the pin. Apparently the Saudi king was the pin. That's what I've been th- That's what I've been thinking the last couple of days. In either event, the rest of the markets look pretty much like this. We've got uh, bond yields going higher. Uh, the ten year is at 0.8. The thirty year is at 1.5. The five year is at 0.6. The two year is at a well, half, and the three month is at a quarter. The Bund is actually increased. It's only negative 0.57, and the Japan uh, Japan ten year has increased, and it's only negative 0.011. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the bond markets will be saved, but I think everything else is just probably going to go to hell. Oil is up by a uh, half a percent. Natural gas is up by two point six percent. But Peter Schiff's Pet Rock is down by one point six percent. Wow, that's I kind of expected gold to uh to be bought up. That's interesting. It's uh gold is sitting at its last was one thousand five hundred and sixty four on an ounce. Anyway, so there's your traditionals. Let's get into what's going on with Bitcoin, you know, actual money. It's at 5,351. I've got a low looking at, looks like it's going to be over at P2P, B2B, and that's going to be $5,228. I've got a high, I think that is my high. Yep. 5,351 is the high. Uh 295,000 transactions were made in the last 24 hours bringing us to 12,300 transactions on average per hour. Oh my god. Another heavy trading day. 2.4 million BTC were traded over the last 24 hours. Guys, that's 13 billion dollars worth of USD. That's 13.49% of the entire market cap. Of Bitcoin was traded in the last 24 hours, that means that 102,722 BTC were being sent per hour on average, with an average transaction value of 8.35 BTC and a median transaction value of whoop-dee-doo 0.03 or 8.3 BTC, which is 442 bucks USD. Block times are high; you can imagine why. 10 minutes and 55 seconds, we have 0.59 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. And holy shit, point or Z, God, I am screwing this up. 76.65 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had an increase in hash rate, 12.46% in the last 24 hours. This hash rate, and this is bitinfocharts.com, is telling me 115.9 exahashes per second. Oh, we've had a difficulty adjustment, I think. Okay, that may be why the block time is a little high. Uh, What else? Oh, yeah, nobody did dick on Bitcoin today because GitHub's last commit was sometime today for the uh, Bitcoin's uh, core. Ethereum at 124, Bcash at 169, Litecoin at 35, BSV at 113, Ethereum Classic is at four and a half. Dogecoin is at 0.007. Now, again, yes, 29,000 transactions on the Dogecoin chain pretty much beats the living snot out of Bcash, but is under the amount of transactions in a 24-hour period for Litecoin. So that'll do it for that. Let's see what my node says. Give you some news about my node here in a second. Uh, hash rate on my node is reading at 103, not 115, but 103 exahashes per second. Mempool is packed like a bitch, 80.97 megabytes. I have not seen it this high in a very long time. That is right at 50,000 unconfirmed transactions in the Bitcoin mempool and. Like the good little miners that they are, nobody is shorting the blocks all the blocks the last ten blocks I see are all full uh ninety nine point eight percent full, yeah, every single last uh block that I see for which is ten uh let's see oh yeah, uh I was gonna tell you i'm gonna take a little a little break from the uh vital statistics here to tell you about my node b t c that's right my node b t c is it, it am i advertising forum yup. Am I getting paid for it? Nope. Then why the hell am I doing it? Because, guys, this thing is really, really, it's so stupid simple. If you're afraid of running your own node, but you're not afraid of plopping down, like, let's say, 300 bucks. If you've got 300 bucks chilling out and you want to be a part of the future, run your own node. Go get a Raspberry Pi 4 with four gigabytes. Go get yourself a 64 megabyte SD card and go to mynodebtc. I think it's mynodebtc.com. Let me make sure because I don't want to lead y'all astray. BTC. MyNodeBTC. Yeah, mynodebtc.com, and they will get you for free. Okay, if you want, you can get the community version, and that's what I started out with. Okay, and it gave me all this, all the stuff that I really needed. To have a full node, a full Bitcoin node, a full Lightning node, get a Bitcoin wallet, a Lightning wallet, and be able to attach my blue wallet to my node. And I finally got that working yesterday. Um, my node or my blue wallet, when I'm, I now have a wallet that's connected directly to my Lightning node. So now when I'm sending Lightning transactions from blue wallet, it goes through my node. My node gets to validate it. I'm really happy about that. But here's what I'm more happy about. Uh, I told you yesterday that I went through some, I f- had some issues, uh, buying the premium version for $99 and 99 cents. And I did pay with Bitcoin. Uh, and, and I think I'm going to donate 10 bucks to my node just because by the time they got a, by the time they cleared, up uh, the fact, well, okay, let me back up. There was a problem. There's a, ah, there's a problem with your daughter. Uh, there was a problem with my transaction. And I, none of us really know what the hell happened, but it got hung up. However, it finally cleared. And when it did clear, it cleared, like, I don't know, I, I don't know when it cleared, but they sent me the code that I needed to activate the premium version. Like, I don't know, it was like 18 hours later. And because I had asked them, I said, Hey, I got a problem. Can you help me? And the guys over at MyNode helped me. Thank you. That I, I love the customer service in this space right now because i think we're small enough that we can actually give a shit about each other and service each other the way that we should be servicing each other as human beings vendors and re- uh, uh retail people you know guys that, like me that are just buying stuff in either event they got it cleared up i got it upgraded yesterday and i had a couple of snacks now here they are my node after it came back online came back up with some new stuff like now I can enable VPN, which I'm going to do after this show because its message is telling me that it may take over an hour for that thing to actually update for whatever reason, even though it's running on a separate computer, i.e. the Raspberry Pi. I just, I'm just going to not do it until I'm, I'm, I am can give it full service in, in my attention. But uh, when it finally came back up, there were two things that decided that it just got stuck on, and one was the BTC Pay Server Merchant Tool and Dojo. Both of those come with a premium edition. Again, 99 bucks, and it also allows you one to one-click upgrades. So I can go like just instead of having to flash a new S- or flash an SD card and put it back in my thing and boot it that way, I can just go to my node. It will sense if there is an update available, and I can just upgrade it right from there with a button click. So when it came back to life, BTC pay server and dojo spun for five straight hours telling me it was installing. So I got on the node, uh, my nodes, uh, telegram group asked what was going on, uh, asked if I should reboot the node. Uh, I decided I decided to wait about another hour and I was like, yeah, I didn't get any word back, which is fine. Everybody's busy. And yesterday was a, a horrible day. So I understand, but I, I rebooted my node and it came back up and for another 15 minutes, BTC pay server and dojo were still listed as, uh, installing. So it was suggested to me after I did that, I finally got word back on the MyNode tele, uh, telegram group that maybe what I should do is reinstall the latest update, even though I had already installed the update because that helped them with a similar problem. I did that, and it came back up, and it was still installing. So I just walked away from it, and when I came back about another hour later, BTC Pay Server was Merchant Tool is up, Dojo is running, uh, I've got Whirlpool, I've got mempool.space, which I used to use all the time on their website, but now it's actually integrated into this whole thing. I the, Now I have access to the VPN stuff. I'm running over Tor. I've got my Ride the Lightning Lightning wallet, and their new interface for Ride the Lightning is so cool. It's very, very cool. I you can see your channel balances visually now by just a bar. And it's like if it's all if you score a zero, apparently your channel balance on that channel sucks ass. So you're apparently looking for a one. So you can either have all the money on your side or all the money's on the other side. And if that's the case, you suck. And I suck. I've got some of those channels. What I was thinking about doing was reaching out to uh, Matt Odell and seeing if he would like to help me kind of rectify that. Because I've got a channel open with uh, TFTC's node and it's horribly out of balance and I need to fix that shit. How do we do that? You know, and at that point, that gets into a little bit more stuff, like maybe submarine swaps or having to close the close that channel out and then redo it with a, uh, an appreciable amount of Satoshis. I don't know. What I'm most excited about, and I know you guys are going to go, dojo, and I'm like, no, it's BTC Pay Server. I am stupid excited about having access to BTC Pay Server on my node All of this is all on my Raspberry Pi. You guys have to go check out mynode. Or mynodebtc.com. Go there. It's worth it. It really is. It's totally worth it. Because now with BTC Pay Server, I might, I'll be able to set up a store or open up a web, you know, a website or take donations or, you know, when it first, when BTC Pay Server came out, there's the possibility of crowdfunding like things so i'm super excited about just experimenting maybe not even you know employing it out in the wild for for a while but whatever i'm just saying go get my Node BTC. it's stupid simple the interface is intuitive i'm i'm telling you man you cannot go wrong with this thing you just you just can't uh let's see we're going to finish up with clark moody let's see what he's saying about lightning uh, Clark Moody's telling me that the total capacity in the Lightning Network has jumped to uh, right at 900.45 BTC, but the liquidity clearly has gone down because it's only $4.5 million uh, USD worth at in liquidity. There's total number of nodes is 6,552, total number of channels is 36,000. Tor capacity is holding at 361, rep, still representing 40.1% of the total BTC capacity on the whole network. Uh, number of Tor nodes also seems stable. Uh, not for long though, because I'm fixing to I'm fixing to put mine in there. Uh, 1,910 n- nodes are operating on Tor on the Lightning Network. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to Morning Roundup Part 2, the snooze you can use. This is Cointelegraph's Andrei Shevnev- Ugh, Shevchenko. Why? Russian names get me. Oh, <coughs> no, but whatever. Uh, this was written sometime this morning. Illinois can claim abandoned cryptocurrency under new bill. I would like to direct this to the distinguished members of the panel. You lousy corksuckers. A new bill draft proposed by the Illinois State Legislature adds virtual currencies to a list of assets that can be considered abandoned. The bill was first introduced on February the 20th and was sent to the House Revenue and Finance Committee on March the 12th. The draft amends some aspects of Illinois' Illinois' revised Uniform Unclaimed Property Act specifying specifically adding two provisions related to virtual currencies a legal term for cryptocurrencies and other assets with similar features the act regulates all manner of assets that are deemed to be abandoned by their original owners among others they may include real estate safety deposit boxes money orders and securities once an asset is deemed unclaimed The state is obliged to try to contact its last reported owner. If the original owner cannot be reached, the state treasurer can, quote-unquote, claim the asset, essentially repossessing it. Good luck. (laughs) That's not how this works, but continuing on. Once an asset is deemed unclaimed, the state is, oh, this law is primarily meant for assets that are held in custody by third parties such as banks. The confiscation process allows the custodian to retrieve any fees that may have accrued that were not paid by the original owner. The revised bill specifically specifies exactly how cryptocurrency should be treated under the Act. The terms for crypto assets to be considered abandoned are defined as five years after the last indication of interest. Indication of interest is a legal term that includes any kind of interaction between the custodian and the owner of the asset, for example. Withdrawing portions of the asset or communicating contact information changes, the five-year deadline appears to be relatively generous, as many other assets can be considered abandoned after three years. Uh, One notable aspect of the bill is that the government will not directly own cryptocurrency obtained in this manner. The assets must be liquidated by the holder, the legal term for the custodian, as written in the bill, quote, the holder shall liquidate the virtual currency and remit the proceeds to the administrator. The liquidation shall occur anytime within 30 days prior to the filing of report under section 15 401. quote. After the liquidation, the original owner loses the rights to recover any gained in value. The bill clarifies. Jesus Christ, I can't stand it. Oh, help me, help me, somebody help me. The crypto provision appears to be strictly targeted for crypto custody businesses as directly confiscating crypto is largely impossible. If the bill were to pass, crypto custody operators within Illinois would receive clear indications for an important business procedure. There are no major crypto custodians headquarters in Illinois. However, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange offers Bitcoin derivatives for institutional clients, but has not expanded into direct custody at at least for now. All right, so it, in ways this will work for them, but if you're smart with your crypto, it won't work in any other way. I just, and I, I, I can't. Ex- Most of the people listening to the show kind of know how how this works, but the short end, of, the short end, of, or the short story of this is: not your keys, not your coins. If you were to confiscate. Like, I don't know, let's say I've got a tube, uh, like a crypto steel tube or something, and it's like loaded with one third of a Shamir secret sharing. uh, And I've got the other two tubes, like one at the bottom of a lake and one at the bottom of another lake because I have terrible accidents boating. If you get one, if Illinois confiscates that one tube and says, well, it's ours now, good to know. You, You don't get it. You have to like depending on how I set up the Shamir secret series sharing. You have to have maybe two, or have to have all three, which is not smart, but whatever. The point is, you, I, it's to me this is sort of a waste of time. But it, for them, I, I think I see where they're going. That they're really just looking for the ability for somebody who was dumb enough to bequeath their private keys to a custodian and that custodian has full access to all the keys necessary to do the liquidation, then yes, yes, this bill will work. If you are one of the people that have allowed your keys to be shared in that manner, you deserve to lose all your Bitcoin. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Chase Bank settles a million dollar crypto lawsuit, the biggest bank In the United States, allegedly overcharged customers on crypto purchases made using its credit cards. Matthew DeSalvo is writing this sometime yesterday for Decrypt.co. Chase Bank, the sixth largest bank worldwide, has reached an agreement to settle a lawsuit that accused the bank of overcharging customers on crypto purchases. The subsidiary of banking giant JPM Morgan Chase and Company arrived at the settlement out of court. Further details of the settlement have not been disclosed. Plaintiffs Brady Tucker, Ryan Hilton, and Stanton Smith alleged in 2018 that Chase Bank had ambushed them with surprise charges by reclassifying crypto purchases they made as cash advances. The plaintiffs allege they were not warned of this change and were unexpectedly hit with sky-high interest rates and fees. Tucker said... He had been charged over $160 U.S. in fees and interest for regularly purchasing cryptocurrencies from Coinbase using his Chase Bank credit card. The lawsuit initially sought $1 million in damages from Chase. Chase Bank had argued previously that cryptocurrency purchases are cash-like transactions as per its terms of service and no contract had been breached. But a judge ruled that the plaintiffs had successfully showed Cash-like transactions only being related to fiat currencies. In February of 2018, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company banned cryptocurrency purchases on their credit. And the multinational investment bank has typically taken a hostile stance on cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin. The company's CEO, Jamie Dimon, famously called the cryptocurrency a fraud in 2017. And J.P. Morgan Chase has since unveiled its own cryptocurrency and settlement solution, J.P.M. Coin. Yeah, I remember that when that whole thing hit and uh, I, I don't re- I don't recall the the uh, initiation of the lawsuit, but I remember these people and what what they're talking about uh, a lot of, that probably won't stop. Uh, that's see, this is one of the problems with the United States legal uh, system is that you can bind if you're rich, you can bind a poor person up in court forever and bankrupt the living shit out of them. Even though you are, you would be found 100% wrong. But until the time that you are actually found to be in the wrong by the court, judge, and/or jury, depending on how that shit rolls out, you've already bankrupted the living daylights out of your competitor. Well, your competition in the in the courtroom. I don't see how that's justice. I just don't. But I'm not going to get all into that. Uh, however. I I think that's a situation where it's I would not go around saying oh well it now it's safe to do this. I think what I would do is if you really need to do this because of whatever reason you need to use plastic to be able to purchase these things. Don't do it on a credit card. Do you know? Don't spend money that you don't have on this stuff. You know I, I'm always saying that. Do not a, do not invest any more than you're willing to put in a brown paper bag and light on fire and throw it out a window. Two, do not borrow to buy any investment instrument. That's not just Bitcoin. It certainly means don't do it with any of the shit coins because that's just stupid. But like mortgaging your house to buy gold. Dumb. Using a credit card, to go it all into the stock market. Dumb. Using your student loan reimbursement to buy a car that you plan to wrap in plastic and keep on ice for 20 years because you, the resale value may be more than what you paid for it. Again, stupid. Don't do it. Just fucking don't do it. Bitcoin fire sale underway, says crypto analyst as the YouTube star plans to go all-in on the crash. I'm reading this one. You'll see why here at the end. But this is the Daily Hodel staff writing for the Daily Hodel sometime this morning. The Dow, S&P 500, and UK's FTSE 100 saw massive losses on Thursday. There were since Black Monday of 1987. Bitcoin also plunged below $6,000 as panic over coronavirus once again sent global markets into a freefall. Bitcoin supporter and analyst Raul Paul Powell, who predicted the 2008 financial crisis, says he sees an opportunity to buy BTC amid extreme fear in the market. Always buy their blood, people. Always buy the blood. The former Goldman Sachs executive and founder of Global Macro Investors is calling Bitcoin's dramatic price plunge a fire sale. While some investors are liquidating their crypto assets, YouTube star turned Bitcoin evangelist Michelle Fan is also bullish on Bitcoin. As the leading cryptocurrency hit a low of $4,121 on Thursday, the 32-year-old said she's telling friends it's a good time to get into the notoriously risky and volatile market. Her tweet says, <coughs> All my friends have been hitting me up asking me if they should buy. yes buy in the dips hashtag Bitcoin fan who invested in cryptocurrency gaming company quarters also appears to be sticking to her plans to start a new crypto related podcast this year. She says that one of the aims of baby steps in quotes, I guess that's the name of the, the crypto podcast is to help people learn how to buy and store Bitcoin as one of YouTube's earliest and most popular beauty content creators fan now has 8.9 million subscribers on YouTube and 2 million followers on Instagram. According to Coindesk, Fan wants to tap her influencer status to promote educational content about Bitcoin. Fan says she recently advised her Instagram followers to buy Bitcoin during the dip and hold. She adds that with so much misinformation, she wants to use her platform to shed more light on Bitcoin. She says the perfect opportunity to do it now is to do it now in the midst of a pathogen-related economic meltdown, quote, with coronavirus. When there's a distrust of authorities, that's when Bitcoin shines the most, end quote. That's a good quote. And I like I like Fan. I, I, I think that she's pretty cool. And I when, during this podcast, when she first got into Bitcoin, you know, a lot of us were really, really excited. And I'm still trying to look, any, read any sentence in this story that says anything about her going all in. Remember the, the, remember the uh, headline, uh, YouTube star plans to go all in on the crash. Did you guys hear me read any single sentence that said she was going all in No, you didn't. You know why? Because that sentence doesn't exist in the story. So the question is, why did you put it in the headline, Daily Hodel? That's not cool. It's everything we hate about media. Please stop doing it. Michelle Phan is not going all in on Bitcoin. She is literally doing the same shit all of us that are sensible do. Buy during the dips. Don't go all in. Do daily buys. We call it DCA or, you know, dollar cost averaging. You don't have to do it every day. You do it once a week. What? Spend 20 bucks. Learn how to use it. That's what we say. And like I say, don't mortgage your house to go all in on Bitcoin. Even though I would rather you buy Bitcoin than anything else because everything else is a scam. I still, as much as I believe in this thing, it is, would be reprehensible of me to advise anybody to take a loan out on their house, take a loan, a payday loan, a loan out on their title of their car—that is reprehensible. And people that tell you to do that should be burned at the stake, proverbially. Proverbial, what if that's even a word? But Michelle Fan is not doing that. She said, "Like all my friends have been hitting up, asking if they should buy. Yeah, buying the dips." Where is it that says go all in? I'm going all in. You should go all in too. I mean, I'm sorry for the rant, but it's it's shit like this that makes us distrust media. Okay? Even the small things like this is the thing that makes me certainly distrust media. But here's here's another story that shows a little bit of silver lining, at least for one person. Sadly, it's not a shit coin, but crypto trader gets. $0. $0.0001 link order partially filled on Binance. Oh, that must have felt good. A trader who placed an order for link on Binance in January of 2019 got extremely lucky when the asset flash crashed, crashed today on Binance. The trader's ordeal par, or order partially filled, allowing them to purchase 900,000 tokens at $0.0001 each. Okay, so that's like one one one-hundredth of a penny. 900,000. Purchased 900,000 link. Oh, my God. Anyway, an order placed on the first day that Binance offered link trading, January the 16th, 2019, was partially filled today allowing a lucky trader to buy 900,000 LINK tokens for around $90 U.S. The Chainlink asset has been one of the leading altcoins of 2020 and was trading at $4.68 at the beginning of this month. Currently, the token is priced at $2.69 down substantially after the crypto market crash that took place over the last 24 hours. It was during this market crash that LINK had an exaggerated flash crash of its own, bringing its price down 99% for a few moments during the highest point of volatility. The order was so old, it was placed before Binance had price band restrictions. Gaming the system from the start, bro. It was during the link flash crash that a lucky trader was blessed with 900,000 link tokens. (laughs) Only if he sells them like right now. For the amazingly low price of around $90, this is epic. As the token had been soaring due to rising partnerships with many DeFi projects who are wary of Oracle manipulation attacks, Link is a protocol providing blockchain oracles to feed real-world data into smart contracts for DeFi platforms, DEXs, and other blockchain projects that rely on data feeds for smart contracts, automation, and execution. Yeah, we saw how well automation worked earlier today, didn't we? Well, in the past month, BZX, a DeFi platform, was attacked first by a flash loan attack, then by a second attack, which manipulated a price oracle for a DEX, allowing the attackers to make off with almost a million dollars in the shit coin Ethereum. As a precautionary measure, many DeFi blockchain projects have turned to Chainlink as a partner for more secure blockchain orders. Link has been one of the hottest altcoins tokens since last June, when their partnership with Google was announced. Chainlink has also partnered with various other DeFi projects like Synthetix, a platform for issuing tokenized assets; Loopring, ADEX, Aave, a DeFi platform which pioneered flash loans; Ampleforth, a smart commodities protocol, and others. Link has become a leading indicator for all blah blah blah, and you don't need any of the rest of that because Link is a shitcoin, just like the rest of them. So, yeah, this dude ended up with paying ninety dollars. For 900000 So he paid 90 bucks. And if he's able to execute, if the, or he, maybe she, or it, whatever, I identify as an Apache attack helicopter. So in either event, if this person can unload this bag of garbage that they have at today's prices, $90 bought him a cool, what? A couple of million dollars in USD. Uh, again, silver lining, even though it's for a shit coin. Now, this last bit, this is going to be a little long. I wasn't going to do it, but it's. I think it's important to know a little bit of the history behind Bitcoin. And Colin Harper has written this thing up for Bitcoin Magazine. and He did this on the 10th, and it's pretty interesting. I did not know some of this, and I, if I didn't know it, Chances are good, you don't know it either, unless you do, in which case, don't hate me, bro. Uh, The history and symbolism behind Bitcoin's logo. Most of you reading this have ever only known Bitcoin by its current logo, that white double-striped B superimposed on an orange circle. Orange coin has become an internationally recognized symbol, but Bitcoin didn't come with this branding out of the box. As with most every aspect of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto created a rudimentary logo in the protean days of the decentralized currency, and the community iterated, it, iterated on it until this one stuck. The, you, you, you truly old-school Bitcoin maximalists will remember the evolution of this design, and you also might recognize some of the mathematical symbolism that underpins Bitcoin's logo. For those of you who don't, here's a little history lesson and crash course on the design choices behind Bitcoin's iconic emblem. Bitcoin Core originally featured Bitcoin's first ever logo created by Satoshi, a gold coin with the initials BC inscribed on it. The nod to gold here shouldn't be overlooked, especially considering that some people think the digital gold comparison is some crazy notion cooked up by Bitcoin extremists, when in reality Satoshi himself was thinking of Bitcoin in this way from the start. OGs typically took to the logo well, although one or another would occasionally make suggestions to alter it on Bitcoin talk. One of these suggestions involved using the tie bot symbol, which is a B with a line through it, and designating the initials BTC as the official currency code. The latter caught on more easily than the former. Using the tie bot did prove to be a convenient stopgap before something else came along, though some insisted that using it would cause confusion. But, it could have very well inspired Satoshi to add the dollar stripes to Bitcoin's design that make it so distinguishable today. On February the 24th, 2010, he introduced a new logo. It resembled a gold coin he had started with, but now the symbol inscribed in the middle had two vertical strokes, and unlike the tie bot, these strokes did not cut clean through the (coughs) B. They only stuck out of its top and bottom and did not cross through the middle of the letter. Reactions on Bitcoin talk were mixed. Some felt it was still too similar to the bot, while others thought it was just too dull. Quote, is this the official logo? End quote, one observer asks. Quote, I understand how difficult it can be to make something truly professional when you don't have the skills, which I don't or the software which i also don't so i'm not trying to be rude but wouldn't it be better if we adopted something better i, I really am not trying to be mean in quote official or not this served as the predominant logo until the end of 2010 when a pseudonymous common commentator named bitboy dropped their first message into bitcoin talk humbly the user announced that they had just wanted to drop by and say hi and share with some of you the graphics that I have done. These graphics were free to download and placed in the public domain. BitBoy utilized the B symbol Satoshi had refined, but rendered it in white and placed it on a flat, bright orange circle, tilting the symbol so that it leaned to its right. <laughs> this brings back the horror—the horrible memories of the launch of, of Bcash. I won't get into it, but yeah, it's angles. are It's all about the angle, apparently. Quote, best Bitcoin logos I've seen so far, one user commented. This was the general consensus, evidenced by the fact that BitBoy's designs would become Bitcoin's de facto branding for the next decade. Good job, BitBoy, bro. Indeed, the logo BitBoy cooked up has become iconic. Even people who know nothing about Bitcoin may recognize it as Bitcoin's universal symbol. And like the technology it represents, it was created pseudonymously without hope of profit. One user commented in the thread about using the Thai bot as Bitcoin's symbol that, quote, we should let Bitcoin's logo evolve organically like a word in a language and not worry too much about it at the early stage, end quote. November of 2010 was still a relatively early moment for BitBoy to introduce what has become the official logo, but this user also got their wish. The logo did evolve organically, and it was also imbued with its own intelligent design. Every aspect of the Bitcoin logo has mathematical rationale behind it. Every corner was architected as much for practicality and form as it was for symbology and aesthetics. These rationale are painstakingly documented, as well as the specific instructions on how to make the perfect BTC logo, logo from scratch in this Medium post, and, and they link to it. The author, Phil Wilson, had helped design both the second logo that Satoshi introduced in February 2010 and the orange one that we know today, and the one we know today is riddled with symbols. For example, the number 8 pops up multiple times in the dimensions and geometry of Bitcoin's design. Example, the B is rotated clockwise 13.88 degrees. More on this later. Per the internet language 1337, an 8 resembles a B, which is short for block, according to Wilson. Many of the patterns that went into creating the Bitcoin logo's design, like the circles that eventually made up the B, contain the number 8. The dimensions of other shapes, like the rectangles in the design, had a length of 12.5, or 1 eighth of 100, thus representing 8 yet again. Since 8 is B, which stands for block in this symbology, each new pattern is like adding a new block to the logo. Every time a shape is resized, as they were multiple times throughout the design process, this reflects the changing data size of each new block. The trebuchet font that's used in the logo was inspired by the trebuchet catapult, which was a favorite weapon of Wilson's in the Age of Empires computer game. By using the vertical strokes from the dollar sign in the Bitcoin design, Wilson wanted to give the impression that those lines are not actually from the Bitcoin symbol, but from the dollar symbol that's been stamped into the ground by Bitcoin. An indication of Bitcoin's monetary dominance. Dominate, dominate, bro, Dominate The coin was colored orange for a practical as well as aesthetic purpose. In the words of Wilson, it had to be a color that could be printed, replicated on both websites and print media, and one that would stand out against all other currency payment options. The circle was chosen, well, a coin makes sense and the circle was warm and friendly and continuous, endless forever, just like Bitcoin. Now, for the question that most people probably ask, why is the bee tilted to the right? Back and to the right. Back and to the right. If you get that reference then good for you. Well, We'll meet up at Bitblock Boom and, and wear our tinfoil hats and drink some beer. Well, there's an explanation for that, too. And rather than butcher it, here it is straight from Mr. Wilson's keyboard. Quote, 14 degrees came about by adding an infinite number of Bs together by dividing the previous value by 10. Here's the series. 12.5 plus 1.25 Plus zero point one two five plus zero point zero one two five plus zero plus 00125, plus zero one two five plus zero point zero 000125 zero 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 one two five plus point zero 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 one two five, and it just goes on. Okay, I'm not. I'm I'm gonna stop right there. But there's like, it, it's just like continuous. It's a, it's called a series in math. Anyway, this comes about. This comes to about. repeating. When using a drawing program that rounds the rotation angle to the closest full percent, the angle becomes 14 degrees. The angle represents the blockchain progressing into the future forever. And that's the end of Wilson's uh, quote there. And finally, the logo for the Internet's native currency would not be complete without a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In the logo, the orange circle is scaled to 525% to give it a precise diameter. Why is that? Naturally, because, quote, 525% is 12.5 multiplied by 42, according to Wilson. In other words, it is one-eighth of 100 multiplied by 42, which, according to the book, is the secret to the universe. And why is the secret to the universe included in Bitcoin's design? Quote, this technology is supposed to be the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything, Wilson explained. Or, put less hyperbolically, Orange Coin could. I'll add number go up. <laughs> so, if you didn't know that, and I did not know that about the uh, intricacies of the Bitcoin logo, I've got a much better appreciation for the Bitcoin logo. I hope you do too. Uh, but. In either event, that's going to do it for the snooze you can use. Number two. All right. Today's daily train wreck is going to be brought to you by Dan Darkpill. That would be at Dan Darkpill. He's always good for uh, wrangling up some, some cringe and this is cringe because it goes back to that whole the whole uh, DeFi thing that I had alluded to that I would talk about later. Well, it happens to be your train wreck because, oh, good Lord on a stick, did these guys get train wrecked? And it's just, it's terrible because I don't want to see people losing their money. But when they continuously call me a stupid Bitcoin maximalist and then they go through this, I can't help but to grin. I'm sorry, I can't. But uh, Dan says, well, what was that positive tweet about putting your life savings in DeFi now deleted? And then he's got, well, he's got several, uh, oh, let's see, what is it going to be? Several uh, screenshots from even.etherium.eth. That's Evan, I guess, E-V-A-N. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the the trials and tribulations of a meth head named Evan here. He apparently posted uh, by, I guess his Reddit handle is Bitburst. He says, oh God, just got 100% liquidated with my 1,713 ETH CDP. Fuck me. This was six years of my life's work. I was yeah, you can imagine why. I'm just I'm at a loss. And this isn't the only dude. Uh we'll get to that in a second. Let me just go ahead and read the rest of this. Vault number eight nine four nine. Will there be retributions for this vulnerability exploit? The documentation says that during a liquidation, enough collateral is sold to cover the debt along with the liquidation penalty, leaving the remaining collateral available for withdrawal. I recall reading on MakerDAO forms that total liquidation costs would be 30 to 40%. Why is it 100%? Is this due to the Black Thursday thread event? My DAI debt was around $140,000 US. How will the community supporting this DeFi project with their life savings on the line be compensated due to this $0 bidding bug? I'm not going, okay, that, uh, I'm stopping there. That's all you need to know. This dude, I, you know, he says life savings. Uh, he says it's like what he lost was six years worth of his life. I, I I don't know why people are going all in like this. It's It's irresponsible and reprehensible and you're committing malfeasance on yourself. Don't do stuff like this. You are begging to get wrecked. To put any amount of money that represents like so much of your life's work or your entire life saving in something that is this new because it's possible it could go to the moon is irresponsible. Just dollar cost average and just buy Bitcoin. Stop getting into these weird instruments because they're all just... I say it all the time, the more lights, whistles, bells, and doors you hang off of all these sons of bitches out there is the more possible exploitation that is going to be committed. The human species is just replete with trying to solve puzzles, and not all of us are ethical. Okay? Even some of the most ethical people that there ever were got into a situation where they could no longer be ethical. They got maybe they got in debt, and they decided that the only way to get out was to rob somebody. I don't know. I'm just saying that you're you're begging for this kind of stuff, and this ain't this ain't the only thing here. Um, hold on for a second. Oh, it, apparently the tweet that was that was referring to was deleted by the per, person assuming it was the same uh, Reddit personality that it was the Twitter uh, Twitter personality. Deleted the damn thing. Anyway, so Podopac had written back to that tweet when it was still live. Says, it's going to be fun talking to those people in a couple of years. Seriously, I really hope no one listens to you as this is the worst advice ever. Life savings into DeFi? Are you a degenerate? And then the last picture, of course, is a picture of the headshot uh, or the avatar, uh, Twitter avatar for evan.ethereum.eth. And it's sad. It's really sad. Thankfully, Colin Platt dug up the original tweet that was actually being mentioned here. And it's Evan Van Ness. uh, Evan at or dot Ethereum dot ETH is actually at Evan underscore Van underscore Ness. And apparently on November the 15th of 2019, he wrote the following. I've recommended to people that they put their entire life savings into DeFi. Let's roll that one again. Just because it's, it's worth hearing just what a train wreck this is. I'll read that one again. I've recommended to people that they put their entire life savings into DeFi. Risky? Yes. But way less risky than holding Argentine pesos. Not everyone has the privilege of living in a rich nation with relatively functional institutions. I don't know what to say about this. Please don't. I mean, please don't do this. I guess is something that I could say. I'm begging you guys. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It also doesn't matter that if, if you say, you know what, I'm going to take David's advice. and I'm not going to rack up a $10,000 MasterCard bill at, You know, 20% interest rate so that I can go all in on something stupid. Now, let's say that you didn't do that. And a year later, that something stupid would have made you rich. I don't know what to tell you. Nobody knows which way this shit's going to go. But one thing is certain. If you don't go all in, when liquidations occur, you won't be all out. When the stock market decided to do its thing this weekend, you know why I didn't give a shit? Because outside of my retirement portfolio, which is not all that extensive, I don't own any equities because it's a casino that is overblown. I remember when Uber got valued at like billions of dollars, and I've said this before on the show, recognizing that Outside of the amount of money that they have for their payroll and some in you know general income, they don't own anything. They own, they probably don't even own the servers that they were using to make that use to make the whole thing run. They don't own the phones that their drivers are using. They don't own the cars that their drivers are using. They have maybe some staplers, some computers, some office furniture, a shitload of overhead and payroll. And if you were to liquidate the whole son of a bitch today, you wouldn't get a fraction of what that thing got valued at. And that's when I really was confirmed that this whole thing, there's something very wrong about this. Everything, even things with like, you know, decent valuation, like, Hey, we build airplanes and we've got stock somebody liquidates Boeing. They have stocks of aluminum or something. I don't know. I'm just saying, don't get into this stuff. It's like, it, it, it's bad. Putting your life savings into DeFi is a bad idea. Racking up credit card debt to buy any investment instrument is a, always a bad idea because you don't know. You, the, so, I, I Surefire X is going to go to Y price. Is a, is, it's just a fool's game. Don't play it. Be, you know, if you really want to be safe, just don't play it. Find something that you do understand. This is the whole Warren Buffett investment thing. Find something that you really understand and then learn even more about it. And then learn, I don't know, like they, they do. What does, you, what you know, Charles Munger and Warren Buffett do? They look for companies that have already good management in place and a solid business plan and have revenue coming in. And then they don't jack with it. They just buy it or buy a portion of it or buy most of it or you just have a little bit of stake in it. It doesn't matter. All they're looking for is a revenue stream under management, current management that functions well. That's their investment thesis. It's not hard. It's not hard. But if you want to go chasing balloons, be aware you could get liquidated at any time. And this dude, according to him, if we're to believe him, lost six years of his life so all that money just went goodbye and he's not going to get it back. So the other thing in today's train wreck is I'll read you a list of proof of weak hands. This is by our friend Bitcoin Meme Hub. If you're not following at Bitcoin Meme Hub, you should because he'll he'll at least make you laugh. And sometimes he will make you think. Whalebot at Crypto Whalebot says, fuck this, I'm out. I listened to Flood, BitMEX. And the crypto dog on Twitter and market longed at 50x leverage on BitMEX yesterday. Now I'm fucking liquidated again. I'm done with crypto for good. I'm never depositing just another $1,000 on BitMEX. Fuck this fucking scam. Uh, Let's see. Oh, oh, Yang Terrence. Oh, good Lord. Yang's out? He says, fuck it. I'm out. Fuck Bitcoin and fuck you. Seems a little salty there. Uh, quilt or quit snoozing puts out, so glad I pulled most of my money out from the cryptos. Well, at least it didn't go on a verbal tirade there. Uh, Chris Gallon three says, meh, fuck crypto. I quit. Alt Jupiter says all my bags sold out BTC, XRP, XLM, XTZ, fuck the crypto market. Yes. Because you weren't just all in BTC. If you're hold one dude and hold the right one, all the rest of them are scams. This is the surprising one for me at crypto Charles underscore, probably a double underscore. I'm not sure, but I've seen this guy around for a long time and he says, Nope, Nope, Nope. Fuck this out. It's all a scam. Fucking off to Ohio and opening a harmonica shop in the middle of nowhere. My children will be in debt for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Oh Lord. And the last one is, uh, at penguin 94 says, I'm out. Fuck this crypto bullshit. I'm done. I'm not wasting any more time here. Fuck CT. Fuck Bitcoin. Fuck Matthew McConaughey. Call it capitulation. I don't care. Goodbye. Well, don't let door hit your ass while, you, while you're bouncing out of it, okay? Because I, your ex, this crew is exactly why this space is so full of shit. I mean, I hate to say it that way. And I guess I should have, for my listeners that have kids, I guess I should have warned you. And I, I am sorry. Uh, I, I actually kind of feel bad about that, but we are not six-year-olds. We are all adults here. And acting like these people are acting is just verification that, yeah, you should you should be out. And don't come back. Please spend your time in the legacy markets and help wreck them. Please do, okay? So there's all of your wreckage and a nice tight little ball smoldering out there in the corner. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Der Gigi, also known as Gigi. He sent me this joke in a DM says, this is actually from uh, Bitko Janowski. And uh, the joke is, what do you call a sleeping bull? A bulldozer. Thank you. Thank you. I'd say I'd be here all week, but it's Friday.